all that sweet romantic guitar it's all him I had to learn that shit to try to impress a girl in high school it didn't work she wasn't impressed or you didn't learn it Uh, I did learn it Uh, she wasn't impressed namely because I never got to play it for her uh oh yeah why not put a wrench in the gears there she was dating someone else what I know right how could somebody say no to this hey when that (laughs) happens Especially when this has like about 70 extra pounds of body fat on it <laughs> and severe issues about women. Severe. Like even more than now, believe it or not. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Film House. This week's episode is sponsored by Hymns and Second Galaxy. I've got my friends Alana, Lawrence, and Ryan with me this week. Say hello, everybody. Hello. Hi. My name is Daniel. And uh, on this week's show, we're going to talk about a new slew of reboots, remakes, and reimagined versions of old ideas and maybe ponder if there's anything too perfect to be redone and remade in this modern age. And then uh, the streaming and intellectual property wars are upon us. NBC Universal has entered the fray with their new service called Peacock. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that later and that fun name. And Lawrence can groan a little bit more. Um, and I hope to. Uh, Lawrence uh, was talking to me a little bit about his theories for the Matrix Four yeah, I got yesterday. Some deep thoughts there. So uh, hopefully we can jam that in. Um, but to start out with. Uh, there was a variety profile uh, this past week on legendary TV producer Norman Lear and on speaking about the continued interest in Norman Lear's library of intellectual property, Sony Pictures Entertainment CEO Tony Vincenero, I can't say his name. Vincent Cara? Vincenero. Vincenero? Vincenero? I have no idea. Apologies, Tony, for massacring your name. But so he was talking about people's interest in Norman Lear's IP. And he said, we have so many people coming to us saying, we want to remake that show or that show. Very famous people whose names I won't use, but they want to redo The Princess Bride. Some people want to do animated versions. Some of them want to do the sitcoms. Not a month goes by when we don't have an idea coming from some very big names wanting to do things with Norman. <laughs> so that just reads like a Trump tweet. Yeah. Very famous people. Very big, <laughs> big names. names. <laughs> big names. <laughs> well, that's the Sony CEO for you. Was Norman Lear um, involved with Princess Bride? Yeah, he was producer. Wow. So he, he also, if you weren't familiar, he did... Uh, there's a lot of sitcoms. Uh, All in the Family, family Jefferson's, Maud, um, new show called One Day at a Time. He Mary recently, Hampton, Mary Hampton? Or, I don't know. I forgot. No, I that's wrong. Anyway. <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore? No, no, no. I, I, never mind. Anyway, recently he did a live uh, to broadcast version of All in the Family and the Jeffersons. So that brought him some new attention. He won an Emmy. So he got this deep dive on Variety. And then people took this little snippet <laughs> that Tony said about uh, someone famous whose names he wouldn't announce wanting to do The Princess Bride. And the internet has run with it and told everyone how horrible of an idea it is. Um, it was kind of immediate backlash, you know, thousands of reaction gifts. But I guess the internet decided this was a terrible idea and that The Princess Bride is too sacred a ground to retread. Mm. Um, I think Lawrence even got in the fray a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I wanted to talk to you guys. What, is Princess Bride too perfect to remake? And is is that something that is even matters anymore? Or are things going to be too too holy to ever touch again? Like My take is always, if you don't want a, a remake, just don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think that they can remake anything. Uh, I only saw The Princess Bride for the first time last year, maybe the year before. I also didn't see it until adulthood. Yeah. Um, Blaine showed it to me. 
uh, because he like when I mentioned I hadn't seen it, he was like, "What?" Yeah. So I watched it immediately, and it had been dramatically overhyped to me my whole life, especially uh, little, little from bit. Americans. That's a shame. So I feel like it's a huge thing in America, maybe less so in Australia. I'm not Wait, sure. If you I'm don't right on like that. that movie? I thought it was fine. <laughs> I was like, a lot of it was very fun. So I feel like I'm not the right person to talk about this, but uh, and I, I know how beloved it is. But for the most part, I don't see why someone couldn't recreate something like people said they didn't want a new god of war and then that that game won game of the year pretty much universally so it's like if you don't if you don't want it don't play it but it could be awesome yeah. mm. um I, I similarly came to princess bride in adulthood i never saw it when i was a child so i think i'm missing those uh nostalgia pieces yeah or the magic. So much i mean it is a good movie and it's fun and it's one of those movies i think when you see it you realize how many quotes and pieces of it have permeated yeah uh pop culture past where the movie had so i'm sure there were things you were familiar with the uh i do not think that means what you think it means mm -hmm. um that like was a meme that i was like i, I should probably find out what that's from <laughs> at some point and yeah seeing it in that movie i was like oh no way so we've got princess bride lovers over here it's true yes. yeah Lawrence. i have kind of uh reversed my thinking on this i used to definitely be when i hear about it things like this I would join in on the rage and be like fuck why are they doing this you know it's so perfect or how can you remake it you know any better but now I definitely after like four Spider-Man incarnations <laughs> or whatever I'm definitely like who gives a fuck obviously n people don't really care and then it's not like that really takes away anything I don't think it takes away maybe from the brand and, and when you're having a conversation but you definitely just gotta be specific alright Watch this version. You know, that's the best version. Spider-Man's a good example like for us to talk about because it's so easy to talk about which Spider-Man just by being like Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, Tom Holland Spider-Man, and I don't, like, I guess you could make an argument that, like, a new thing might muddy the experience of the old thing for me, but I don't think anything has ever made that happen for me, um, aside from Assassin's Creed 3. <laughs> but that's the only example I can think of of something that ruined the things I loved beforehand. And then there's the whole argument of, like, they've literally been what? doing this for forever. Like, you know, mm -hmm. there's... Movies made in the 50s were remakes of movies from the 20s yeah. and stuff. I mean, Star is based born. on a book. Yeah, like they made that born. movie. It's like the Legend of Gilgamesh. The, the retellings are how stories are propagated. Yeah. So, so there's kind of a, a romantic thing to that, too. So I'm fine with having five different Lord of the Ringses. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> so what was it about Assassin's Creed that did they retcon some part of the story? <laughs> I don't know if you want to get into this rant, Dan. Assassin's Creed 3 specifically uh, basically completely undoes all of this like side plot sci-fi stuff that I was super invested in. Okay. So like I had researched it and they had all these glyphs that you'd go and find and it'd be leading towards this future and the end goal everyone assumed was that you would play in modern times and then they were like, what if we just franchised it? And so they got rid of all of that stuff that I loved and were mm. like, nah, it doesn't matter. Kill the main character, whatever, bye. So all the hidden deep lore disappeared. Yep. Well, it was about, yeah, it was about something that seemed very cool. Mm -hmm. And then, like, nope, it's about 2012. Yeah. It's about a meteor. And then, and then like, yeah, Assassin's Creed 3 basically just tied off that storyline. And then it was it was an extremely underwhelming payoff for something that actually had a really cool build. That's pretty much it. It's like they never paid off the thing that you wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, it hurt the others. But I think, like, I can't think of a movie doing that where I've really loved the movie and then a sequel's come out and I've been like, oh, this sucks. Like, Indiana Jones you know, 4. I still love <laughs> Alien. It didn't make I mean, me... That, that's a good uh, one. People say but Last Jedi uh, actually yeah. damages Last Jedi's a lot of Star Wars. a very good example, actually. Yeah. Well, well, but sequels are different than remakes that's in true, terms sure. of how also this true. affects everything. Because sequels I, definitely can ruin, can kind of go back and, and make an old movie that's good worse. Yeah, I, I mean, Last like. Jedi undoes Force Awakens in a lot of ways. Yeah, that kind of thing. But yeah. remaking it is kind of just like, all right, we're starting from scratch. What version do you like better? 
I guess, I guess to me, and, and this is, I think, the core of the argument, which I, I agree. You know, people can make whatever they want. I think if maybe if you remake this, that it'll expose an entirely new generation to mm-hmm. movies like this. What frustrates me is that movies like that, and I could be wrong about this. I can think of a few that have similar vibes. What was it? Uh, Isn't it romantic? I actually really, really liked. Um, similar vibe. Oh, was it Enchanted as well? Um, but what bums me out is that this movie is actually very unique in its spirit and its tone and I think there are tons of extremely clever dialogue based jokes that you don't really get partially because it is kind of hard to understand what Andre the Giant is saying in some scenes but also because sometimes they're just so fast and so clever that you just don't get them so for me it was a movie that I only appreciated its its true value like the fourth or fifth time I saw it um, and I'm not saying that you guys didn't on your first viewing uh, not implying I, prob- I probably didn't. I mean, we like, loved cool, it. a fairy I saw it tale. At the perfect day. Watching it, watching seven, it with subtitles. Was that Twelve I think or something. Like seven or eight. Okay. Uh, but what what's a bummer, and and what I think is is ultimately slightly vexing about the idea of a remake is that it commodifies that spontaneity, especially in an age where I don't feel like we get a lot of that anymore. There hasn't really. I was just kind of talking about this in the same vein of like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, is a movie with a wacky premise. But it delivers on it, and it's very fun and heartfelt by the end of it. I can't think of movies in recent eras that aren't based on some property that have that spirit anymore. Um, so, to some degree, it's like kind of like full out, full bore fun. Like, yeah, like fun, but with doesn't heart. make sense. Um, there's still there's still heart there though, which okay. is kind of kind of, I think is kind of the frustrating thing. So, to some degrees, if the reality is that a movie just won't get greenlit, even if it is fun and has heart, unless it has a brand or some push behind it. If that's the game, then I guess play it. I it's think just the a, I would prefer a new IP instead argument I'm always going to agree with. Like, mm. I think that, yeah, I would prefer a new creative IP than for something to be remade. Uh, How do you hear about new stuff anymore, though? Like, I, th- I think I'm going to see Hustlers tonight. I'm really excited to watch that. Yeah, what is, what I heard hustling? about that mostly through social media. Okay. I saw a trailer. Word, word of mouth is the only way I feel like new ideas are spread. Yeah. Well, you know, advertising or, or things like that are all. Studios don't make all, them because they can't RP. guarantee money. Whereas for a, a property that's already out, they're like, well, look how much we made on merch in the last year. Of course, we can justify bringing this out again. Yeah. And I get the business side of it for sure, too. The, the business, yeah, because I definitely agree in terms of is the, the question of will this new Princess Bride remake be good i don't think so you know that's my hunch i think it's gonna <laughs> not be it. as good but but and and yeah like like to me the thing that bums me out the most in all this is when both the studio and the audience know that this movie is just a cash grab where it's just like 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 a fantastic four or something where it's like all right we're literally doing this for legal reasons so <laughs> we have to and retain we the rights to it. own it everybody's aware of it but everyone's like well all right we'll go see it you know that's the, to mm-hmm. me the most like uh, cynical movie experience, mm-hmm. but like, but but you know, I I I think that the way to go is the whole like the the Phil and Lord the, the Phil Lord Chris Miller way of just like, all right, we have to make a Lego movie. This should suck, but God damn it, we're gonna put our all into it and make it as original as possible. I think that's kind of the future of IP is like I can reinterpreting is reinterpreting old stuff and yeah. making it totally brand new people like who a would fraction work on the princess uh, bride remake movie are probably going to be people who are really passionate about the princess bride and i can imagine a lot of them would be so stoked to work on it so i, I feel like the studios are always going to be like make money crush your dreams but i imagine it'll be a team of people who might be super excited about yeah, it yeah that, that's the best case scenario on making the film yeah well i don't even maybe know. i don't even know if princess bride is a I guess it has, yeah, I guess it's worked its way into pop culture enough, what with all the references and things. I just, I wonder if it's got, you know, the same clout as, like, 
a Hasbro board game. I was kind of wondering <laughs> that too. Right. Is Princess Bride popular enough that you would guarantee that it would make money? I think it's kind I of a deep cut. I don't honestly. know. What's I, the I last think like romantic comedy that really broke? Um, and I, I don't move in those circles really. I, I suppose it as kind as I of is them. a romantic comedy. And, and another thing that you guys said, like in terms of, of where do people see new stuff, like to me, you know, I know me and you, Dan, we go see a fair amount of independent movies, but like most people I know that complain, I, I if you, the next question is like, all right, how many fucking small movies did you go support this month? And like, oh, I don't get that out that often. It's like, all right, okay, so I don't you, mind. yeah, like no, I most people, the internet at large, I feel like isn't supporting small stuff, which is out there. It's it all is. out there. You hey, I see saw it. the Lighthouse last week, and I did <laughs> not like it. Oh, all <laughs> right. Oh man, I, I was really sad. Yeah. Bringing everyone down, Alana. <laughs> I, well, I liked the like everything except the last five minutes of the witch. So yeah, me too. Mm, mm. I'm, I I'm like the right witch. there with you on oh, that one. Oh oh oh! oh. Mm. I was so excited. I was no, so, I'm so sorry about that. No, and and kind of going back to like uh, to I mean you a lot of, a lot of things I agree with in this room, namely the, the like what I would consider the dearth of originality, but then also the lack of effort made to actually discover and, and explore originality it, it when takes, it does exist. It takes effort, I think, mm-hmm. is the problem, mm-hmm. and it's not blasted at you because there's no money behind it. And there's so much shit you can do yeah. today, you know. I guess and watch what I'm. What bums me out, and I, I think that this is this is more than just this. Like I, I don't I don't have, draw a line in the sand about remakes or anything like that. Yeah, make whatever you want. I don't care. Uh, what bums me out is that I'm. I'm sick to death of cynicism in media because that's just the phase we've been in. Stuff like, you know, The Boys on Amazon. I had a very negative reaction to that for that reason. To me, The Princess Bride is the anti-cynical movie to the point where, like, Fred's young Fred Savage is there being like, ew, love stories suck. And then by the end, even me as a viewer being a shitty young dude, being like, love stories suck. But by the end of the movie being like, oh, they're <laughs> kissing. Like, it is extremely Everyone pleasant. Everyone loves romance. Yeah it's, yeah, it's pleasant. It's uplifting. It's he looks so much like John Risingay in that shot. It's killing me. It's a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Yes. And I, I think you're, there aren't <clears throat> a ton of movies anymore that have a solid heart to them. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Is we as a as a society have become extremely cynical, where things that seem heartfelt and true um, and just kind of full of life like, okay, seem false and lame. Yeah. 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 Where's I mean, we're where's the about twist that, now? that makes it a bad guy? Presuming I mean, that a remake must be corporate focused and, and a money making machine is that's just. That's raw cynicism. Historically, though. Yeah, you know, you're right. You're <laughs> absolutely right. <laughs> but uh, the mo- last movie I saw with True Heart was Good Boys, dude. That's what I was going to yeah. say. I was just waiting to be like, Good Boys, actually. Yeah, yeah uh, that was I mean, great. They make 100%. Them, it's just not often. Last movie I saw that I, I felt like really had a nice heart, and that I'd was say, pretty recent. Oh, I'd say uh, the Paddington movies, too. Oh, my God. I love those hey, movies man, so much. I love Paddington. Oh, yeah, uh, every movie should be like perfect that. Perfect films. I thought Cockwalkers, actually, in terms of just like mm-hmm. teen dramas and stuff, yeah. which I guess we weren't really talking about, but that one had a, a really nice. <laughs> Game Night was also really good. Really? Yeah, that was wonderful. Not that much hot, but it was really good. I'm trying to think about it. It wasn't that cynical, though. You know, people in the games, you know, yeah. they're like trying to... It was all about them know. actually getting back around and, and making up all their mistakes or whatever, but uh, I'm trying to think about the the one movie that, like, I might actually feel slighted if it were remade, and I think it's Primer. It's the only movie that I can think... It has to be remade so people can understand it. I know, and I think <laughs> that's why that I'm like, don't it, remake it. <laughs> to understand it would to be ruining <laughs> Primer. I, I feel like it would bother me if that movie became commercialized specifically. I'd be like, how dare you? I kind of, to me, it'd be Ron, Rob Reiner's other movie, Masterpiece, Stand By Me. Like, I'm oh, like, how would you do that? Because that's all about kind of, yeah, it's like nostalgia. It'd be like it's a nostalgia about a movie about nostalgia would mm. be weird. Well, I mean, they kind of did exactly that with It recently. You just skip True. up the generations. So, 
I mean, like Hot Tub Time Machine also, it'd be like adults today reflecting on the 80s instead of adults in the 80s reflecting on the 50s. Mm. I think that's mm. how you would do it. True. To that degree, yeah. it's been made a lot, actually. Yeah, yeah true. Uh, but no, I, I agree that there are certain things that are a product of their exact times. I feel like Princess Bride is one of them. I mean, The Godfather would be a weird one. Oof. Yeah. That's like, so getting remade at some point. That's going to be a fucking series on Amazon But you just, you point. have to make it the exact same thing. You can't. How do you make yeah, it any better? Like a, you, a 30s Italian crime you drama. Make it 20 hours long. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think one of the interesting things about this Princess Bride uh, story is that there is no movie, like at all. Mm. There, there is no official production. It's just something that Tony said offhanded when talking about people's interest in Norman Lear's IP. <laughs> yeah, the body of work. So, so I just I think it's also interesting that something like that, a pretty out of context quote, can explode so much in just a couple of days and get Absolutely. the internet outraged over a remake of a movie that actually wasn't being remade. Mm -hmm. There are just some quote unquote very famous people that want to do it. Well, it's stupid. I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to speak out of turn for the internet, and I don't think anyone can. But I do think it links to, like, this movie's pure, uh, and I think people are afraid that if it were remade now, it'd be done under the lens of cynicism. And that's the thing people don't want. I think people, whether they know it or not, and again, this is me speaking on behalf of a lot of people, but I had a negative reaction so I can explain mine, is that I, I'm just, I'm so tired of being told that everything sucks and, and movies thinking that that's a novel message. Like, I get it. I live it every day. I don't need that when I go see a movie. And to, to some degree, I think that was part of the backlash about Last Jedi as well. I was like, oh, there can be no heroes. I'm like, motherfucker, I want heroes. I need them. <laughs> and I think that's also why everybody's so got weird boners over Keanu Reeves because he's just the pure boy we Seems need right true. now. So Honestly, that's one of the reasons I like Shazam is it did hmm. seem to just be about joy. Yeah. Uh, and lacked, I mean, there was kind of a postmodern commentary on itself, but it was never seemed cynical or negative or nasty in yeah. any way. Yeah, a lot of the Marvel movies have those slants. You know, Captain America's out there trying to be the pure American boy. And the entire world is trying to punish him for that. And to some degree, it's nice to see that in the arc of a film. But yeah, sometimes you just get tired of being told if you try to do the right thing, you'll get punished for it. Everyone should go see Paddington. Okay. <laughs> One and well, two. Have you, you seen them, Mark? I haven't, it. no. Oh, oh, they are fantastic Incredible. films. Like, it's, I feel like Paddington 2 is the perfect movie. It really is. It is um, brilliant. It, and it's got, it's got the moral Paragon character where they don't change a whole lot. It's the, the kind of the pureness of their vision of the world is what all of, you know, the rest of the movie hits against their pureness and bounces off and other people change. And I don't know. There's there's something about... Yeah, I mean, Paddington's presence makes everyone a better person. Yeah. And I, th I think maybe one of the reasons I'm interested in that is because I feel like we need some more figures like that in the world. Maybe you can't <laughs> exist like that anymore. We need more <laughs> talking I mean, we need, bears. We need, and if I have to do what I will. <laughs> we need leaders um, that are pure, yes. I think. Or at least that's what I think I want. No, I, I don't think, know. I think you're right. I think we're all tired of, of our leaders or the people we think we should be looking up to being the most horrible pieces of shit imaginable. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we're just tired of that. <laughs> so... Um, that would be cynicism itself, though. Lauren's calling them the most horrible pieces of shit. They're human fucking beings. That man. is also true. One would uh, like just, to think they are. Um, <laughs> who, if if they're, you know, these very famous people that are interested in remaking very Princess famous Bride, people, several of biggest, them. Who, who Big, could it names. be that would actually get you? Be like, you know what? I'm going to go see Princess Bride. With <laughs> Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Paddington Bear. <laughs> He's the lead. Like, how do you how do you recast Andre the Giant? Oh, I 
Is there anyone uh, that the big rock, anymore? Dude. The oh, Rock, dude. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think that's that's quite right. Andre the Giant uh, has like a it's not right, he's a teddy but bear, for sure. <sighs> and and like was in real life too, is my yeah. understanding. Um, and that, Sometimes. that's like Christopher Guest. Like th- this movie is so stacked with just legendary actors, performers, writers. Alana, characters. do you know who the two the ugly couple that's about to be here in a second oh. is? Do you know who they are in real life? No. Hold on. The the what was his name? Like Magic Larry or something? Yeah, right there, there right yeah. there. Who's that? <laughs> I mean, I feel like I might recognize their faces now that I'm looking at it. Uh, You'd have I, to no, hear I don't their know. voices, I think, for it to click in. Yeah. Billy Crystal. Really? Yeah. No way. I, f- I forget who the woman is. Yeah, voice of Mike Wazowski. <laughs> Billy Crystal and woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, it's like stacked with cameos and... and uh, Huh. Yeah, to, to think about to think about it in those terms of who could even execute that now is, is tough. Uh, I feel like Ryan Reynolds would be a good lead. Mm-hmm. He's got that snarkiness, but yeah. also that sort of charm. Chris Pratt. Yeah, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Uh, Diego Luna as uh, like I, just like one for one casting. It's getting a little. Benicio del Toro would be. I mean, that guy. getting up there in years. Just put but, him yeah. in everything. Uh, but in terms of directing and writing, that's that's I think. Who would be Ginny? I actually feel like that one's easier. Maybe like costing a Margot Robbie, right? Of course, <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. She probably could. She probably could. <laughs> she She's pretty good. Yo, I Tonya, man. Yeah, she, she can act. I mean, dumb statement. She's an actress, but, but. she's also done a lot of different roles. Like, yeah. I feel like you probably she could probably Is do it an Tonya or Tonya. I Tonya. What did I say? I don't know. Oh, I was just I was seeing the word in my head, and that's how it came out. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Lawrence, just to reiterate, what what is it about the the idea of Princess Bride being remade in 2022 that pisses you off? Mm, it's it's the it's the and this is me impressing a lot on it, and I think that's what emotional reactions are. It's a lot of assumptions, but I think it's it's the desire to recapture uh, the pureness and innocence of the film. Um, just being an impossible task? Mm, no. I, th- I think it's the desire to shortcut your way there instead okay. of coming up with something new. And then also my lack of faith that a remake could could equal or even surpass the charm of the original. Um, so it's... it's <sighs> I get the idea to remake it because it is so close to a lot of people. Um, but and I just wish... yeah, I, w- I wish something like that could exist now in an immaculate conception sort of way. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> without needing to piggyback off of the existing popularity of something else. Paddington 2. Yes, <laughs> maybe it is Paddington 2. And, and to my own, like, my own, like, I have no right to, to, to complain about it. I haven't seen Paddington 2. You totally so. should. <laughs> um, you guys have heard us talking about hymns and how they're helping guys look their best. If you haven't yet, it's time to see what they're all about. We've got a problem. 66% of men start to lose their hair by age 35. Is your hairline creeping back like the setting sun over the horizon? The best way to prevent more hair loss is to do something about it now, while you still have some. Why do nothing when we have the science? Hims is the answer. A one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Hair loss can be a real hit to your confidence. I know hair loss is something that I worry about too, but it doesn't have to be that way. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims is helping guys be the best version of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help treat hair loss. No more snake oil pills, gas station supplements, or deals with the devil. Just prescription solutions backed by science. 4HIMS connects you to real doctors online, which saves you hours and is completely confidential. 
All you have to do is answer a few quick questions, which a doctor will review. And if they determine it is right for you, can prescribe medication to treat hair loss that is shipped directly to your door. I will also personally recommend speaking to your doctor to make sure that this is safe and appropriate for your specific body and health situation. Do something to help stop hair loss and help promote hair growth. Order now. Filmhouse listeners can get started with the Hims Complete Hair Kit for just $5 today, right now while supplies last and subject to a doctor's approval. See the website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy somewhere else. So go to forhims.com slash filmhouse, that's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash F-I-L-M-H-A-U-S, forhims.com slash filmhouse. Thank you, Hims, for bringing us here this week to talk about reboots uh, and Princess Bride, and I think we've got some other rehashing of old ideas uh, coming for the second half of the show. Hmm. NBC Universal has announced that their upcoming streaming service has officially been named Peacock. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. <laughs> it's yeah. not even like the logo isn't even the Peacock. It's so weird. I like. I get it. That's the logo of the channel, which was you know they made it that way because that's when color TV was big. So I get it, and they have their legendary like three note jingle. So I get the branding, but the the logo design is weird. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows it. it. Why isn't the Peacock logo actually in rainbow? I guess because you need a flat logo just for design purposes. I don't know. Also, the word (laughs) cock is in it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Hell yeah. They could have called... The elephant in the room. They could have called it the bird. No, that's worse. (laughs) So, um, yeah, Peacock's going to launch in April of 2020. Um, I guess they're... This is their idea. They're going to try and compete against... Disney Plus, Netflix, HBO Max. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to do that, but they did come out with, you know, some uh, some what they thought would be big hits. Uh, remaking Saved by the Bell. Um, I mean, I can... This is launch programming in April. This is how they're trying to get attention this on their is, streaming service. Maybe this is me being a little too uh, permissive, but they own the rights to it. So, uh, like, announcing this is easy because you don't have to greenlight anything. You don't have to clear anything. You can just say, yeah, we got, you know, 30K an episode, whatever. Go do it. Um, uh, it makes sense that, that this might be one of the first things they announce because they don't – like, there's no paperwork to do, or very little anyway. Are, are, are they going to do it like it's set today? Yes. Set so, so, at least the, the plot synopsis that they released is – uh, when California Governor Zach Morris gets into hot water uh, for closing too fuck? many low-income high schools, he proposes that they send the affected students to the highest-performing schools in the state, including Bayside High. <laughs> the influx of new students gives their overprivileged Bayside kids a much-needed and hilarious dose of reality. So Zach is like the <laughs> the villainous uh, governor <laughs> yeah. of California? Yeah. <laughs> like closing uh, down closing urban down. schools? Yeah. <laughs> What the fuck? Kind of a twisted like, reality. I feel like that could work in. fine, but hearing you read that made me feel sick. It's a dystopian <laughs> future. <laughs> it also it feels is an apocalypse. Like, yeah. I mean, they could they could deal with some very interesting topics with that setup, but they probably won't. No, and, and it's funny we were just talking about Norman Lear. <laughs> One day, the cynicism in you, Lawrence. Get no, it right. out of It'll you just be like because the original show didn't do that. <laughs> no, it's. So what do you mean that they went over uh, uh, what it was like Adderall or for uh, one is caffeine pills? Caffeine one pills, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air d- dealt with that issue in a way better way. It, that, that, that was just shitty acting and bad writing. <laughs> um, no, I mean like One Day at a Time actually does deal with contemporary issues with the youths, as they like to be called. Um, <laughs> well, that, very, that was Norman uh, Lear's stick. Is like he would have comedy, but wrap you know political and social commentary into it. So it mattered a little bit. And yeah. I think that's why it connected with people. Mm-hmm. 
So, sure. You know what? Maybe Saved by the Bell will do that. But, I mean, th- it's kind of like the Fuller House thing. Of just We're just going to turn it, the crank again. And that was a big hit. Was it? Yeah. Didn't, Didn't, I think it until, canceled? well, that, that's because of a different scandal. <laughs> yeah, um, oh. Lori Laughlin. Yes. Spending half a million dollars to get her daughters in school. Change, baby. She's like, oh. it's gonna spend a whole two weeks in jail or something. Yeah, get out of no, here. She's gonna go for worse. That's Felicity Huffman who pleaded oh, guilty. Lori Laughlin might go for worse. I hope so. Um, I wish that they, the, if I was doing the Saved by the Bell remake, I would do it like they did the the Brady Bunch movie, where it's just kind of like a satire, mm. almost Fish like, like yeah, the, or the, yeah. It, it's either the school is set today, but everyone acts like it's the '90s, or it all takes place in the '90s and it's just super over the top. Hmm. I, I think know. I'd go super over the top with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mario Lopez and Elizabeth Berkeley are back, both as producers and talent. Cool. And the curious part is that Mark Paul Gosler, uh, Zach Morris learned about this show when the rest of us did. Uh, <laughs> Wait, on the story about yeah, he's on the show. Without, <laughs> he, huh. He's in the synopsis uh, <laughs> so paragraph, but did not know that this existed at all. Um, I guess he, he said he read it in the trades just like everybody else. Uh, he told Variety at a premiere for another show and on, then, on and Monday says, night. He woke up with a kind of huh response <laughs> just like all of us just did. I yeah. got work again? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's doing great. Also, I like that he said I read it in the trades just like everybody else this morning. That's not how we get our news. Yeah. <laughs> we don't read the Dispatch. trades. I go to the ticker and I Mark, tear the tape off. <laughs> Mark Paul Sick might the read the trades. Yeah. <laughs> just like everyone else does, right? No, Mark, <laughs> just you. Man, Mario Lopez, though, been killing it ever since. He's everywhere. Also, he yeah. hasn't aged. <laughs> Looks no. great. Dude looks amazing. Y'all like the movie Dead Man on Campus? I never saw it, but I remember it. Sounds made up. With Mark Paul Gossler. Mm. Summarize it for us. <laughs> if I remember correctly, it's that there's a loophole in school where if you, it's these guys who are about to fail out of school. So then they, uh, but if your room, if your, if your roommate dies, then they'll give you A's for the whole yeah, semester. Like so then, pass or so then, out, do yeah. they kill their roommate? I think they try to conspire to like create situations in which their roommate will accidentally die. Yeah, so that they can get straight A's. Wacky. <laughs> I'm into that premise. Yeah, it's actually a really cool. They premise. I never saw that. the movie though. <laughs> um, yeah. So saved saved by the bell. The, uh, the other big gun uh, that Peacock was coming out with is a Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I don't think reboot was the right word for it, but the the showrunner from Mr. Robot, Sam Esmail, oh. is supposed to be running this. Oh. Damn, okay. And He's actually cool. clarified yesterday, I believe, that it is not a remake, uh, but explores a new story within the same mythology that stays true to the spirit of Battlestar. It's very unclear. I'm totally on board is. with that. It's It seems like a spinoff series like similar to what Disney's doing with Mandalorian Maybe so. rather than a remake of Battlestar. I feel like like if you're not along with those main characters, I'm curious how you explore the mythology of the show. Uh, I I don't really have any questions. Like, I like Battlestar Galactica. I feel like it would just be something else in the same universe that doesn't need to be related at all. Like, they can just expand it like they did with Star Wars, basically. I Um, guess... Oh, sorry. Cool with it. Yeah? I guess what I'm confused about is that uh, the, the goal of any of these shows is to acquire subscribers. And I'm not, I mean, Battlestar Galactica, maybe, because I know that that has a rabid following. That will follow it anyway. Rabid. Rabid, sorry. But Proportional, small? yeah. Small. It's a sci-fi TV but, show. But it, but it has a core base that might be willing to pay $5 a month to watch a new version of that sure. show. Yeah. Um, like I mean, Paranauts it's working for Star, Star Trek. Trek. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't think Saved by the Bell is that kind of show. No. <laughs> um, people watched Fuller House because they already had Netflix, but I don't think people – I mean, I'm speaking totally out of my, my, my base here. But to me, it's, it's weird to see networks trot out these shows that have recognition, but not necessarily – like a following to the point where somebody's going to open up their wallet and fill out an order form to just start watching right away. Well, I think Saved by the Bell has to be one of those shows where it's so good that everyone's like, oh my God, you really need to see it. I don't know if it's good. I don't even know if that counts. Neither, like, but that's I, what I mean, they I have to seen do. It Everyone says that about years. Cobra Kai, but how many people watched it on YouTube? It's like right mm-hmm. there. I yeah. got HBO, obviously for Game of Thrones, but kept it for Barry and Chernobyl, mm. which I only heard were good because people told me I should see them. Chernobyl, um, I, think I haven't finished, but it is fucking rad yeah I think people like Killing Eve's a good example of a show that's like if you heard about it you wouldn't know what it was uh, Handmaid's Tale that people like you have to watch it it's that good and I feel like they have to be able to do some of that as well I don't know how you make Saved by the Bell that good that's the I thing mean, is that just they <laughs> fuck this up dude but like what <laughs> if it's like the office levels of good they're like alright we, we're gonna have well, our, our multi-billion dollar lo- uh, rollout of this huge platform and then our two things we're gonna re- uh, announce is Saved by the Bell and Battlestar Galactica <laughs> well, no one, things no one has given a shit about for no. forever the wars have not not kicked into high gear yet I think It'll it'll get weird, yeah. I think. Yeah, because it's going to be everyone fighting, and like there will be promotions, and and what I'm scared of. It already sucks. I, I already it already hate. sucks. <laughs> yeah. But like when when it starts getting to like Directv levels of skis of like, well, Peacock signed a deal with this company, so when you sign up for that, you automatically get this for free for a year, and then we're just going to start billing you for it, mm. so they can drive up their viewership numbers to make them look like a success, and it's just going to get it's going to get gross and weird and like. You're gonna go in and you're gonna go in and buy a new iPhone, and they're gonna be like, "Hey, guess what? You just qualified for two years of Peacock." And you're like, "I don't <laughs> want that." And you're like, "Too bad, Peacock." Because we I, signed a deal. I, get that. I think I've, I've told a story before, but I regularly get calls from AT and T being like. Hey, uh, what kind of TV do you watch? I'm like, I don't watch any TV. They're like, you want some streaming services? I'm like, I don't watch any TV. And they're like, well, are you sure you don't want a TV package? I'm like, I literally <laughs> don't watch TV. And they, they're always like, but what if you tried? No. <laughs> they call me like once a month. And, and they're like, then what do you do? I was like, I just play video games. They're like, what kind of video games? There's probably a TV show about it. Like, they hate it so much. <laughs> awesome. It's incredible. It's like having arguments with people who are like, please let me sell you a package. <laughs> you got- it's free. I don't want it. I don't give a fuck. You can't give them anything. That's what I've learned. You just got to say no thank you to everything yeah. until they give up. Yeah, they keep trying. So, um, I don't know. Maybe this will tip it over for you, Lawrence. Tron? Punky Brewster Ugh, is re- returning. That. What is Punky Brewster? A shitty 80s sitcom yeah, about a tenacious girl young girl. And, yeah. Oh. that's Yeah, back in the 80s, you could get away with that. Like, entire shows were just buoyed up because they found a child actress that just looked cute enough. Yeah. And, and that it was it. had talent. Uh, I mean, I'm sure she was good. Sorry. <laughs> I, I've seen an episode or two of that maybe when I was five. Um, the, there is an interesting project called Brave New World, Aldous Huxley, Huxley's famous book um, sh- written by Grant Morrison, who's a pretty famous comics author, Batman author. Yeah. Um, Rutherford Falls and Ed Helms' Mike Schur comedy series. Those are office vets um, I'm sure you're familiar with. So they are getting the office and Parks and Rec on Peacock and an office reboot is probably most likely going to happen, which I think is a little strange considering that show still it's already seems, a reboot. Seems <laughs> so new. No, does it though? That show was that show ended 
at least quite a decade It's just ago? still very much in and the then, public conscience, I think. Yeah. But it, I find it funny because it already is a reboot. They're rebooting yeah. a reboot. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just keep yeah, rebooting it. Reboot. You can put it in any office with any group of people and the premise of the show works. But sure. Is it a reboot if you're bringing it to a different yeah. country? Adaptation, though? I don't know. Remake? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the first episode is like one-to-one. Like yeah. The characters are all the same. Like It's pretty close. But yeah, it's it really is. Peacock seems to be bringing a bunch of junk to the table to play with. Uh, uh, another season of AP Bio, a second. Oh, I've, heard, I've heard that's good. Yeah, same. I haven't watched any of it. A second Psych film, so which is another show I thought ended. Years I haven't ago. heard of Wait, any psych? of these. Like yeah, the like, one about this fake psychic detective. Yeah, yeah. Wow, I haven't thought about that in a long <laughs> a, time. A new Real Housewives spinoff, and then some probable Olympic content because they'll be hosting. <laughs> You know, NBC has been oh. hosting the Olympics recently. <laughs> Something very funny about I don't know the Olympics probably as well. We have right. that. You like you like the swimming, uh. right? <laughs> it was but actually really hard to watch that streaming for the past few Olympics. NBC was really weird about it. They, yeah. Now we got Peacock. Didn't Wait, so does yeah, NBC so own Olympics Clearly. broadcast rights? They don't own it. I, I believe they buy them, and it's extremely okay. expensive. Yeah, I, I believe a loss leader. Like I'm pretty sure they don't make money on it mm. um, because it is so expensive to do. Hmm. Yeah, um, I guess my concern is that uh, ultimately, uh, like what what supersedes all of this, even if the shows are amazing and life changing and have so much to say, there's too much. There's absolutely too much. Uh, yeah. We we're already oversaturated. I mean, Rooster yeah. Teeth tried to play this game and, and clearly didn't go anywhere really. Um, so I don't know what more networks think that they can carve out because they're so late to the game already. And by the time they actually launch. Gosh, it, it, it is going to be the realm of like, there's going to be third party companies that bundle them and try to sell them together, and then you're going to have tons of channels you, you don't know watch. You know what just would like work cable. for me? If they gave me uh, a, an option to subscribe to a show. So, like, if each of them, and it's sure, I have to download every app on my Xbox or whatever, mm. but if each of them was like, buy this pass just to have access to this one show and you can watch that here then I would probably do it but if I have to subscribe just to like maybe watch something I wouldn't do it make it like renting a thing from Amazon or YouTube or whatever yeah. from those apps I would be open to doing that like uh, How to Train Your Dragon Streamworks right mm-hmm. if they made a How to Train Your Dragon TV series I think they have that do they? yeah I think because I, I was so. like I'd watch that, and then apparently I wouldn't because I don't know about it. <laughs> Unless it's too child orientated, I guess because I feel like those I, I films aren't too kitty. But I could be wrong about that. But you know, uh, DreamWorks Animation, Focus Features, and Universal are all going to be bringing original films to Peacock. None of that's really been announced. But yeah, I, th- I think we've these kind of IP and streaming wars are just starting, and it is over already. It seems like you were saying. But yeah, if, if you've already it's, got Netflix, this happened to Netflix is wild because like Netflix was the only one, and now well, it's like they're drowning around giants. Yeah, I mean, I mean, so you've already got your Netflix, and Apple's doing its own thing. Yeah, you got you've got Disney Plus is actually pretty attractive with the amount of original content they're coming out with. I just. I don't, I don't quite know what NBC Universal is trying to do with this. I don't know what the end game is here. Unless it's like two dollars a month, I don't see anyone mm. making this their third or fourth I mean, it subscription. Might be. Well, I, I think they're, this is probably like their just little taste, and then at some point they're going to start rolling out bigger and bigger things. They have oh, for to, sure, right? Yeah. And then all, all you need is one hit, baby. I and get then it. you and got yourself a real streaming for, for service. A while, but like, it has to be sustainable at some point. And there hasn't been a digital, like, direct-to-consumer subscriber network yet that can do that. 
Well, it has been hugely profitable. I think Netflix yeah. is still in debt. Yeah, no, they, they they they've never money. made money. Yeah. Um, and and Netflix is having to decrease spending because they're, like, they're finding that they're. I don't know what the pot of the gold at the end of the rainbow was supposed to be, aside from just losing money for all time. <laughs> Probably um, disrupting sell? the market. Just, yeah, getting keeping most sell, of the market. Yeah. yeah, well, acquire market right, and then you can scale back. But now they're losing subscribers because they're scaling back. They're losing. They're losing uh, libraries that they used to license and things like that. So. I just don't get it. Uh, I mean, all these companies are trying to outspend each other to acquire audience, but uh, what happens at the end of that? Then all of these shows just get canceled, and then we're back down to a normal and palatable level of content, but then people are going to be wondering why they're spending you know, $15 a month to watch one show. I mean, I mean p- part of the reason that they do it is subscription services make these companies a lot of money because the amount of people who tend to subscribe and not actually watch the content is super high. Mm-hmm. So people just don't think about their subscriptions and they just make money off these people over and over and over again. But it's also because it's the best way for them to advertise. If people are already on an app that only has your products, you are constantly exposing a bunch of people to your products every single day and you don't have to spend money on that. It's not like an ad you need to print in a magazine. They're there. It's digital. It's infinitely renewable. Mm-hmm. So I like understand from a business perspective why like we get subscriptions we advertise to the same people who are already our audience or people who haven't heard of our stuff and there are millions of them and we can prove that is super appealing I don't know what the long game plan is though they spent 8 billion dollars this year on original shit it's great for actives it's great for the market (laughs) it's great for us we get cool shit yeah, for well, fucking true, not that much true. money. You get a three and a half hour Martin Scorsese gangster movie yeah thank god (laughs) no I yeah it's it's it it's is nice watching them it. compete because it, it used to just be like, well, there's nothing else in the movies this week, so you better fucking watch our film, bitch. And right. now they're like, we have to make good content <laughs> to make people come to our platform. <laughs> like, yes. I guess I'm just worried about all all of these media companies running so hard into the red because there's going to be a like there has to be a reckoning at some point. Absolutely, there's I mean, going to be a bubble burst. Yeah, yeah. but that's only just means I don't think it, it's going to mean less good shit for us. No, well, there, there will be an adjustment, but right, I'm, I'm yeah. more concerned about like. The Ripple, like some of the AT and T is a very large company, and they are deep in debt. The twelfth largest in the world, I think. Yeah. yeah, and they're accelerating into debt because of things like this, and and acquiring Warner Brothers because we're part of that family. You know, we Rooster Teeth has certain. Uh, you think that like this kind of thing could lead to a literal like global financial crisis? <laughs> I think it could lead because I think we want have, more Saved by the Bell. I think. Well, <laughs> no, I mean AT and T is a big company yeah. in a lot of debt because of media. Like it's that's not a invalid concern. I think it would lead to a too big to fail sort of situation, yeah. but I do think that it. Like I do worry about the fact that an entire an entire entertainment sector is is being pitted against each other to burn money that none of them actually have. That concerns me. Um, when things like that start happening, when there's a runaway spend, and there's no real reason to stop, th- and companies kind of know that <laughs> they can't just lay off you know 1.5 million people in a day. There's, there's, somebody's gonna have to pay for that, and I'm pretty sure it's gonna be me. <laughs> like, it's gonna be tax money at some point, uh, or, or some fucking hugely illegal grift that will come out 30 years. I from think now. it's gonna be Netflix's dumbass investors. I don't think you're gonna have anything to worry about, Lawrence. Yeah, I guess, that's my 401k, man. <laughs> it's uh, all Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. I, t- I told my investor to put I mean, it all on Netflix. You I'm worried about idea? it happening to video games, which has already mm-hmm. started. We've already got a bunch of different stores and subscription services, but I'm worried about all of those stores then promoting online as 
online service games over everything else because of course they would because that you can put more hours into and it's renewable content for the most part because players make the content that's entertaining rather than the game makers needing to do it and they keep you on their service where you keep seeing their shit mm -hmm. and that's what I don't want I'm like please just keep making single player there's games there's nothing <laughs> to worry about guys we're in the golden age <sighs> of streaming shit alright we can golden get anything age. we want I don't on miss this ads I'll machine. tell you that I don't miss ads at all <laughs> which I, I have started seeing ads again because the only way to watch cheaters is through the AT&T TV now <laughs> and let me tell you it's it's fascinating is to it be exposed it? to ads again I mean yeah it's the only way uh, to get my cheaters back in my life but yeah seeing like seeing commercials is weird now yeah. it is I, I watched a very little bit of TV last week uh, at night when we were in Hawaii some bad HGTV and the commercials are almost intolerable I don't yes. even they're awful I don't remember the last time I actually watched TV it, it's kind of weird the I only mean, good ads are for you. It would have been football, years for me. Right? So yes. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. A lot of truck commercials. But All is it still trucks and light beer? Like, is that still the wheelhouse? Those are the go-tos, yeah. They're bread and butter. I do enjoy seeing that the, the demographic appeal is shifting a little bit. So they're like, there's, sometimes there's light beer ads that target women. Wow. <laughs> so that's kind of nice. Women you like know, it's 2019, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mostly see the female targeted ads because Stephanie watches true crime nonstop. Yeah, so. women love true crime. <laughs> that is that target audience for it's sure. It's a real thing. Um, so let me tell you guys real quick about our second sponsor this week, Second Galaxy. They offer an open-world MMO sci-fi adventure. Second Galaxy is a hardcore science fiction MMO RPG. Core gameplay involves space exploration, real-time combat, fleet building, and free trade. This is a massive universe. The system of Second Galaxy is about 1,000 light years in diameter. The skillful and challenging experience of the pilot license acquisition process with its tough and harsh examiner will teach you the fun and challenge of the system. In Second Galaxy, you travel across unknown galaxies with wormholes. Exploring the undiscovered zones via this wormhole system brings you the feeling of seeking the unknown across time and space. This is a deep space expedition that delivers you the feeling of treasure hunting, from deciphering a star atlas, to locating a galaxy, to warping to it for rewards. Second Galaxy features a dynamic, real-time trading system. You can produce important or even key items and monetize them via the trading post. Players from countries around the world can work together or against each other to create their own story in this shared universe. There are four leagues the Economic Community of Dawn, the Neo Europa Federation, the Oracle Empire, and the Republic of Spheris. To compete or cooperate for glory in endless colony wars and epic galactic warfare. Thanks to Zilong Game for sponsoring this video. Check out Second Galaxy by following the link in the description. Thanks again, Zilong Game, for sponsoring the episode this week. Let's talk about some reboots, some streaming wars. And before we get out of here this week, I do want Lawrence to uh, dish on his Matrix 4 idea. You said you've been reading some academic text about futurism written yeah, I've been in the 70s. Into those books again. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a book called Autonomous Technology that actually Fareed let me borrow. Uh, because we had, and in many of our uh, high high thought conversations, I'd, I'd expressed concern about runaway technology. Um, so it, it's interesting because uh, because I am the world's foremost uh, Matrix uh, thought leader. It is course. known. Yes, yeah. it is known. Mm -hmm. um, some people, I would say, you know, thousands uh, have tweeted at me, being like, "What would you want out of a Matrix Four? And it's it's a tough question to answer because I always felt like Matrix Two and Three asked an interesting question and actually gave something of an answer. Uh, namely in regards to like free will, predetermination, uh, like sentience, uh, volition, all of these things. Pitting humanity against machines was, was the perfect stage for that because arguably humans have free will. This deep philosophical discussion that the movies kind of touch on and machines cannot or don't. So I was like, well, they kind of 
they kind of resolved their own conversation, so I don't know necessarily what philosophical ground there was to break in a Matrix 4. However, this book that was actually written in the 70s and has gone on, had, was very prophetic, um, deals with the idea that uh, technology it, and the improvement of technology, uh, it is assumed to be a universal good, um, namely because we can see the effects of it in the world around us. Like it makes people's lives easier. It, uh, it makes their work easier to do. Um, in the 70s, the dream was that technology would allow people to, you know, have a three-day work week or something like that. Uh, Turns out it really just concentrated wealth in the hands of fewer and fewer people. Makes us work harder. Yes. It's it, not uh, true, Lawrence. The math is there, dude. Well, the streaming service, golden age, technology, what have we been talking about? It? Sure, we we get more shows to watch. Paddington. Paddington. <laughs> He's on Netflix, I think. Sure. Uh, Do you think the Matrix 4 will have some streaming wars in its history? <laughs> no. no. Um, it's not more, the beginning of the end. No, it's all right. More yeah. more the, the thing that sort of ignited the thought in my head is that there are bits in the Matrix films that talk about that dynamic uh, of runaway technology, and namely the fact that technology is, is thought of as a tool to humankind. And then the book also dives into the master-slave relationship, and especially going back to the Egyptians and stuff like that, how the prevalence of slave labor actually inhibited the development of technology because you didn't need it. Hmm. Um, hmm. So in that regard, then, technology becomes our slave, something that we can, uh, we can use without paying or incurring any cost. Um, I think the opposite is true. Well, you think they've slaved you? So, yep. Yes. I, I think that, I'm you know, sure people talk about how, how AI overlords all the time. I absolutely think that's already happened. People what are posting your... things with specific captions to get likes on a website that doesn't matter because of an algorithm. They already rule us mm. so much. But they do that because of they want to get that dopamine rush, you know? <laughs> so it, it does like, it's not like the machine wants it. But we're still catering what we do and the how we spend get our anything time. out of it, though. Right? The people who made the AI do. Oh, because they get money because what, they yeah. are. Well, and they write the rules, and then That's wealth concentrates in their hands, and then you give crumbs to okay, people. Yeah. But totally already slaves. What, what, what is that creepy theory people, that you were telling me about where there's like a future AI that runs the world and punishes people? Rococo's Basilisk. Yeah, it's basically the idea that I'm not supposed to talk about it. That's the problem. Yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> always okay. up. it's the it's, thought. The it's thought con considered a thought hazard. Basically, uh, if you didn't fund its existence it will retroactively punish you for not making it exist and this is like a genuinely pretty well believed thing in the AI I community. mean it's very literally happening on YouTube essentially if you don't serve the system the uh, the algorithm will punish you true or or derank de your content um, yeah. sorry yeah we got so distracted happens, from your what happens in Matrix no this is yeah, very sure. Matrix relevant it is no well so there there's a conversation in Matrix the second Matrix movie that is that is frankly one of the slower parts of the film where uh, Neo is, is chilling out with like the village elder, and they're talking about the power relationship. Uh, namely, the way that humankind often perceives good or morality is something that gives you power over your surroundings. It allows you to conquer nature, to defend yourself from predators, to, uh, to minim minimize the risk of bad crops. Like this is what irrigation does. It, it provides us food, it provides us security and safety. Uh, so a big part of Western thought is that um, it is good to master your surroundings and control them, uh, which is to say then that, uh, and sorry, this is going to start getting a little scattered because I don't really have notes that I'm going off of or anything. But So under the lens of that thinking then, technology is good and the improvement of technology is good because it'll, it just gives us greater control over our surroundings. But uh, yeah, there does become a tipping point where unless you examine the nature of that technology and the surroundings that you're trying to control or even the desire to control those surroundings, 
then calling those things a good and assuming that that's good for all society uh, is a it's like it's a conclusion that's foregone um, when it shouldn't be. And certainly like um, movies like The Terminator and The Matrix touch on these topics in a roundabout way. But I feel like that is one philosophical discussion that was touched on in The Matrix, but not necessarily concluded, is the idea that uh, as we develop tools, we then start to enjoy uh, standards of living that make us slave to those tools. And then who really is, who has free will anymore? Or has humanity gotten to the point where they volunteered their free will up to algorithms because they, you know, were given enough treats? And I think certainly there are times, you know, on YouTube or whatever, where if you want to live life as a content creator, then there are certain compromises you have to make. Some, and, and very literally, some of those are, well, you can't swear in videos anymore. Uh, you can't put certain things in your title or your thumbnail. You got to do what the algorithm wants you to do, which in a weird way is also driven by human behavior. Uh, so yes, it's a, it's a complicated question that doesn't necessarily have a uh, solvable answer. But I think, especially given the way the third movie uh, concluded with the idea that like Neo was offering up his humanity to the machines to teach them how to think or teach them free will. I think then then you can further examine the relationship between man and technology or the user of a tool and the tool itself uh, and, and see like what that results in or, or if there is a moral bearing on how that stuff is used. So how do they show that in a Matrix movie? Yeah, what is yeah. Neo punch? Well, yeah, exactly. Does he do arm bars this so time? One of the best things about the Matrix is it, is it very little, literally personifies the, the things that it's talking about. Uh -huh. And the Dark Knight did this as well. It's like Batman is justice and Joker is chaos. Um, in this movie, like Mr. Smith is is being a slave and Neo is is being master. He's being master in the sense that he has free will and can make decisions, whereas Mr. Smith is guided by a machine and, and has to do what his purpose is. He's mm -hmm. slave to his purpose, whereas Neo controls his purpose. Uh, how a Matrix 4 personifies those thoughts is for people much smarter than me, namely <laughs> Lana Wachowski. Um, yeah, I'm stoked she's back. Absolutely. Good. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad that I was... I have been bummed for decades that the Wachowskis are out there making amazing things. And I mean, you want to talk about move or shows that should pull people but don't, like Sense8 was very good. And, was and that Wachowskis? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. And, and for me, pretty uncomfortable because, you know, it deals with identity and, and feeling like you're mm. different inside of your skin. All things that are very obvious when you, you know, consider the Wachowskis' mm. uh, life path and things like that. But uh, it was still important media, I think, uh, like I would consider The Matrix to be. So yeah, man, how you turn that into a film, um, especially one that's it's digestible. Look like, yeah, it's got to look like an anime. It's got to look like anime. God bless. Uh, so many anime I, shots. I, I would so love good. for there to be a moment where they pull the master switch and everyone in the Matrix gets unplugged. Ooh. You know. <laughs> but then the Matrix would shut down. Right. What do you True. call the movie? The real world. The unmatrix. <laughs> MTV is the real world. I want them to have <laughs> some scenario where Will Smith and Val Kilmer, the original cast of the movie, are actually playing those roles <laughs> in some version of the Matrix. I yeah. Uh, everybody just everybody thinks in terms of like what other meta can we jump to, yeah. and I really hope it doesn't go there. I, I really do hope she and whoever's writing it with her are smarter than anything anyone in this room can oh, come up with. Oh, they absolutely are. Yeah. I can vouch for that. Or at least already. they read. Interesting stuff. Well, I, I hope read. they do that, but then they also go back and watch what makes their first movie so good and <laughs> yeah. don't get so up their own ass that they're like, are, and they're so smart that they write like 50 page <laughs> monologues about how free will doesn't exist. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you're right, though. It's uh, uh, certainly the second two movies uh, alienated a lot of people. 
because they tried to get a little too heady uh, with a lot of their concepts. I can't really think of films that can deal with deeply philosophical topics but do it in a, a, in a palatable way. The whole, the first the whole idea of men becoming slaves to machines to me is very foreign to uh, to, to just me. Like like uh, like good, good I, old I country boy like, Ryan. I feel like it's a human defect where where we have all this awesome shit and and we get jaded and cynical. And we're like, well, it's just part. We're like ungrateful for everything. Like I think about just being a caveman, you know, all the time, mm-hmm. and how I'm just so glad I was born in 2000. Or I'm here now with all this shit around, you know, and I don't have to go fucking eat. With a spear, well, right? It's, <laughs> it's like, to me, like being relying on t- technology isn't like being a slave to it. You're just enjoying the fruits of the labor of generations that have worked for it, you know? Oh, sure. But, yeah. I mean, you can enjoy loads of parts of it, but there are also parts of it that are awful and not enjoyable, like cancel culture, which is a thing where people want to get traction. But is that being a slave to technology? I think it is. Well, imagine... That's imagine. just people being fucking... Well, what about Weird. the uh, hunters? What about the uh, like election interference with Facebook in 2016? Okay, yeah. See, the, 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 there is something where where if if like the big data thing, I can is a case to be made where it's like, all right, people think they're making a free will choice, but then, you know, if you add up all, if a computer can add up all of your you know inputs and then actually make you make the choice that it wants to make, I could see that. I don't see it happening. I don't think that that's totally happening on a grand scale right now, at least. I mean, it demonstrably happened. We have a president because the Facebook. It no, see, I, I disagree. People went in and made a choice not because of fucking. You know, they saw a meme. Is in my opinion. You know, like I feel like 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 there are pe- certain people, but like I don't think that sixty three million people did that. Mm. You know, so, well, that, there's a small happen. fraction, but and maybe yeah, maybe you could argue that that's what brought them over the edge to get the electoral votes. But I don't think that that it's like well, that is a fact that. The, the memes equal Donald Trump. You know, there's a million uh, variables. I, I would there. think the right. fact that it happened at all is a problem, but I agree. Yes. There are like major benefits to Just because it happened technology. doesn't mean that it had a big effect. It definitely happened. I agree with you guys. Oh. But yeah. So you're, I mean, you're, you're, I feel like uh, to, to, again, maybe dive a little too philosophically into it, it sounds like you're making the argument that human beings have free will and to lay the actions of people at the feet of their stimuli is shortcutting the human experience. It, yeah, and the fact that people make a free will choice to be just lazy, ungrateful a- assholes, you know, and that that's not them being a slave, that, that's just human nature, kind of. Well, then you know. maybe human nature is that we're going to surrender our free will to... I definitely think that that's true, yeah. Well, then... The, I mean, maybe something should be done about that? Well, that's an, that's an argument. To, to yeah. I think that... Yes, without being exposed to certain thoughts, certain ways of thinking, or certain concepts about one's own existence, there is a tendency of human beings to prefer, uh, you know, ease of living, to have all of their, you know, hierarchy of needs satisfied, and they'll just go to whatever satisfies those things. But, you know, the unexamined life is not one worth living. I think that for human beings that have the miraculous capability to self-examine, to have sentience, it implies that there is some some divinity there that could be attainable if we can Mm -hmm. just organize and maybe subvert some of our more primal desires. Uh, So it would be nice if the human race weren't stuck in just being hairless ape territory forever. But I think that does require uh, embracing certain philosophical ideas that go beyond just fighting and fucking until you're dead, Um, (laughs) which is awesome. And I love the Matrix movies for that reason. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But the idea is that there could be potential there. It just needs to be explored. And 
uh, providing people the ability to stream on Twitch all day and then eat fast food so they don't die. I remember, not giant giant cheeses. I remember <laughs> yeah. you know how like the things that make like your opinion, man. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the discussion. You know, I like they say, humans are the the apex predators because of tools. Like that's what differentiates us from animals. Um, technology is just a new tool. Sure. And I remember reading a thesis that said humans stopped evolving as quickly physically because technology has evolved instead. So instead of us physically needing to change now, technology is the thing that is changing. So it's like our tool is just like one-to-one -one with us right now. I actually think technology's probably surpassed us, frankly. Well, yeah. Probably. And we just the think that it hasn't. Way different. <laughs> a biological evolution takes place over millions of years. Meanwhile, well, we went from having like shitty cell phones to an interwide, inter a global connected network of communication within a decade. It's crazy. It's Streaming absurd. HD video. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking <clears> awesome. Hacking, hacking your DNA code, Lawrence. Yeah. CRISPR me. Yeah. That's a little <laughs> late for that, but. <laughs> Just to, to jump to the next topic before we run out of time, you have the King Killer Chronicles listed oh, there? Yeah, I had a few ideas in case we ran short. I've been reading those books for five years, yeah. and I just saw that you said that it's a story set in the generation before the first book. That is correct. That is deeply confusing to me because in that period of time, nothing is happening. I, I read the first book I have no idea about the generation four uh, Alana is referring to a few notes I have the King Killer Chronicles big famous fantasy book um, was the Wheel being, of Time series was be, no oh King Killer sorry yeah, you're right I've read that also different different series okay. no prior to the first book would be everything Kavoth is doing yeah It'd be his his basically life and time. So it would be before, but isn't <laughs> before that? I think it would be his oh. parents' story. Huh. Oh, what were they? Right. They were they were traveling. traveling. Yeah, they were entertainers. Entertainers, which was the synopsis of the show, which may no longer happen because it was in production at Showtime or pre-production. They've let it go and revert back to the rights holder, Lionsgate TV. Most probably for financial reasons, it would be an expensive as fuck show. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a you traveling know, medieval fantasy. Yeah, you're so, talking I about mean, a million, several million an episode probably. You're, it's also, you're competing with Wheel of Time, which yeah. again, I haven't read that for five years. I don't and, know how, Amazon when was the first King Killer that Chronicle? Show. Yeah, which is going to come out. Lord of the Rings is also Amazon. Yes. And then uh, Witcher, obviously, is Netflix. So it's like a lot of those shows trying to be Game of Thrones, and I feel yeah, like... Everyone wants the next fantasy the junk. King Killer Chronicles is probably the least popular of those series. Yeah. Also, the third book hasn't even come out yet. Exactly. That being write the problem. book, Patrick! He's <laughs> too busy playing D&D. He tweeted at me <laughs> once, and I wanted to be like, write the fucking book, Patrick! Ah, he's tweeting. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's that's going to be it for Filmhouse this week. Thanks for the, the deep cuts on your philosophical thoughts on Matrix 4. That is what 4. The Matrix is about. If you just watch uh, it at, an, at a surface level, you'd be like, it's about guns and latex, yeah. but it's not. <laughs> Um, I'm interested in what kind of weird visuals they can come up with because that's that's what the Matrix beyond being interesting, you know, to think about. The Matrix I think really hit because it pushed the effects envelope so much and generated a bunch of new visuals. For sure, yeah, and Avatar. they've got to do that again. So that's I think I what, what I might be most excited. No. Hey. The, the like the mix hey. of practical and and digital. The the I mean the the whole camera rig they had for that that twirl slow mo shot was. The first time that had ever been done, yeah, to my knowledge, yeah, it, was. it wasn't, but wasn't it? It was, it was, it was popularized. Michelle yeah, I, I, the Michelle last time Gondry. we talked about the Matrix, yeah, right. I showed that trailer, and that got the video content claimed. So I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> but there is a commercial um, for some liquor by Michelle Gondry oh, yeah, where he where he first did Bullet Time. Oh. But I, I, I think the Wachowskis well, or Lana mean. thinks in that visual way. So mm. she's got to develop something cool, and I think that's what I'm most looking forward to is what neat visuals she comes up and with. We're in a renaissance of stunt work in films. 
uh, Fast and Furious franchise, the John Wick movies, the Resident Evil, like having having stunt showcase films. It's it's good for that right now. There's a lot of great uh, stunt coordinators and stunt performers out there. I think uh, studios are willing to put money towards practical stunt work yeah. because it's proven to to perform. So I, and I think it, it's been buzzy in films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for sure. the Mission Impossible's and the John Wicks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I think the stars have aligned and the raids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and raid three. Where where are you, Gar- Gareth? Uh, he I mean he basically said like, mm, not yeah. not now. I mean raid two is so he's so trying amazing. to next so level. He's trying to level up. That's fine. He can do that. He uh, raid two is all I need. But yeah, Lawrence, are you one that's going to be campaigning the Academy to give an Oscar for stunt work? I mean, it's absurd that that's not the case already. I agree. It's it's absurd. Uh, I don't I don't get it. I mean, it, it plays into they kill and, themselves. It's it's crazy. Yeah, literally they die. Um, and and to me, this this was the context of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But uh, especially since Tarantino, uh, yeah, you know, has his own boner for practical stunt work, as displayed with Death Proof. But uh, yeah, it's I'm glad that there's more talk about it now. I frankly I I only learned that like explicitly we was made aware of it like a year and a half ago, and it didn't make sense to me then, and it's it's even more absurd now. So. Every time I've ever interviewed a stunt person, they have always had like negative things to say. Always like, I do all the hard stuff, and uh, you get. There was a guy who was uh, Tom Cruise's stunt man who I was talking to, who was like, "Yeah, I get to do all the dangerous shit, and he gets all the credit for it." <laughs> like, wow. Well, that's actors in general. They get credit for everybody's work. That's that what, is true. That's what once upon a time. Yeah, that's true. The writers, the directors. Like, that's the whole point of the film. Mm. He. Uh, uh, he yeah, Brad Pitt's character literally gets stepped over his his body. Yeah. Uh, to so that you know Leo can go make connections with Roman Polanski and stuff. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm glad that at least that discussion's happening because even in stunt culture, the they kind of talk themselves down. It's like mm. you, you are the meat. You go get ground up and you go home. And if you get injured, you get you get a little hazard check on the side, and that's it. You're the meat. Yeah. Meat yes. sex. Yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone on set thinks they're cool because they roll up on a motorcycle and then fall off a building. Bunch and of then scars. Go home. Yeah. But it is it is that living of like you go and you eat your you know craft dinner with your dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for coming around this week, you guys. Uh, thank you again to Hems and Second Galaxy for sponsoring our show this week, uh, and we'll be around next week. Uh, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me, Dan. Bye bye. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Bye, Film House. <laughs> <laughs>